0: called God With Us, and uh, we're talking about Emmanuel, the name that was given. The, one, one of the things that we call Jesus, I had several people come up to me last week, and they said, hey, they said, so why don't we call him Emmanuel? Why don't we call him Jesus? Well, Emmanuel is kind of like his role. Are you with me? It's a title that Jesus has. We His name is Jesus, but we call him Emmanuel. It's like, my name is Josh Brown, but my kids call me Daddy. My wife calls me Babe. Right? Unless I'm in trouble. Nathan calls me Papa. That's right. Some people call me Pastor. Some people call me some not so pleasant things. Uh, but my name is Josh Brown. But I have many different titles. And this is what we do with Jesus. His, his name is Jesus, but he has many titles, many things to describe his reality. Because how many know that just in that single name, we could never express who he is? Although the name Jesus means that he shall save his people. That doesn't describe everything about Jesus. Are you with me? Uh, but it kind of sums it up. And so we look at the scripture in Isaiah chapter 9, nine, verse 6. It says, for a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Yeah. How many are glad that he's a Wonderful Counselor? Yeah. That when you need some counsel, come on, that the counselor, the Holy Spirit is inside of you. The same spirit that is in Jesus that made him a wonderful counselor is also inside of you. So when you need some counsel, the first place you need to go is to the holy Council. Come on, are you with me? Don't be going to everybody else to getting everybody's opinions. That's what we tend to do. Well, I need some advice. I'll pick up the phone. That's grace. great scripture tells us that there's wisdom in the multitude of counsel but we need to be a people that are going to the counselor before we go to everybody else are you with me and uh so there's nothing wrong with going to other people in fact scripture encourages us to do that that's called wisdom but he is also mighty god how many know that he is mighty that he is not small that he is not weak that in your weakness that he is he is not weak also well, your view of him and that weakness might be very weak, he wants to show you that he is mighty, to show himself strong on the behalf of those who love him. This is his heart, that he will be the, the mighty God to you, that he be the everlasting father. How I many you know that no matter how good your earthly father is, he is weak in comparison to your everlasting father, that he will be your father for the ages. Your earthly father will only be your father till you're dead and gone. And once you're gone, you got an everlasting Father. You have a Father that will be there forever. You have an earthly Father that, no matter how incredible he may be, he will let you down. But you have a heavenly Father that never will. That is not in His ability to fail. There's a few things that God can't do, and failing is one of them. Come on, are you with me? He does not have that in His ability. He is the everlasting Father, and He is the Prince of Peace. This is who Jesus is. He is the Prince of Peace. He brings, He comes, He brings war to make peace. Some people say that say that the peace means there is no war. No, there's got to be a war to get the peace. The war, the battle was won on the cross. Come on, are you with me? We think that the peace is just the absence of tension. No, 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 no. Peace involves reconciliation, and that's what Jesus came to do. So that's why Jesus is a peacemaker, not a peacekeeper. Come on, we, we think that there's peace just because there's no conflict, but in, because we keep our opinion to ourselves. I mean, you're not at peace. Yeah, on the inside, you're raging. So Jesus wants to make peace with you and those people you have tension with. This Christmas, maybe, he wants to come in, and he wants to be the peacemaker, not just the peacekeeper, because that's not peace. Come on. You're just covering it up. You just Reconciliation. Come on. All right, let's talk about Jesus, since we're being festive today. And it's the Christmas season. I I see some pastors, they, they... you know, after they've been in the ministry for decades, they say, oh, here we go again. Same old Christmas messages. And uh, I believe that there's a lot of meat here. Come on, are you with yeah. me? In the beginnings of Jesus. And so if we have to revisit that once a year, that's okay. Yeah. Come on, it's the gospel. And the gospel never gets old. Amen. Luke chapter 2, it says, In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This is the first census took place when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. Not to register to vote, but to say, I'm alive. So Joseph went up to the town of Nazareth. Went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee, Galilee to Judea, Judea. To Bethlehem, the town of David. Now the reason why Joseph went to Bethlehem is because the prophecy said that Jesus... Would come from the line of David Joseph Jesus' earthly father Who Let me just say this That Jesus didn't have any DNA of Joseph in him He had heaven's DNA But his earthly father He came from that line So he went back to Bethlehem Bethlehem is the city of David Right? The great king that we know as David Jesus was also born In that great city of Bethlehem and so we, we did this to fulfill prophecy To show, hey, I'm on the line of David Y'all good? Yeah. So I went there to register with Mary Who was pledged to be married to him And was expecting a child and While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son And she wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger Because there was no room for them in the inn I love this story that Jesus was born in a manger. There's a couple of things uh, that we learn uh, from this story. First of all, we learn, and I think it's important to note, that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, the city of David, which you've always, which you've already talked about. the The, the word Bethlehem actually means the the uh, house of bread. And so, isn't it interesting that the bread of life was born in the house of bread? In a cattle trough, a place where cattle would eat from The bread of life would be born At a place that that some would come to feed on I think that's important to know I also think it's important to know that Jesus will have his way Even though there was no room for them in the end Jesus had his way He was still going to be born Ready or not, he is coming. And I would say that that is for his first return, and that is for his second return. Ready or not, he is coming. So Jesus is coming to town. And let me just say this, that Jesus comes in the most unlikely of places. He comes in the situations that it doesn't seem like that he's going to show up. He shows up. And the other thing that I think is important for the story is that he provides opportunities for people to play a role in his story. We, You know, the, the innkeeper kind of gets a bad rap, right? Doesn't he? The innkeeper, I mean, it's like they show up, knocking on his door. It could have been in the middle of the night. It could have been in the middle of the day. But the, the, the town, which we see the movies and we see the postcards, it looks like it's all empty and lonesome. But the city of Bethlehem was packed full of people because they were all going to do the same thing that Mary and Joseph were doing. Right? Yeah. right? Yeah. To register for the census. So they show up and all the hotels are full.
1: They didn't have a car they could sleep
0: in. So they go and they, and they knock on the door of this innkeeper. And there was no room for them. And so what we've done over history, was, that's wicked. You know, he didn't make room for Jesus. Well, the the problem was that he had already given the room to somebody else that got there first, right? Right. First come, first serve, right? You snooze, you lose. And this is the situation that Mary and Joseph had. And many people believe, many uh, theologians, many historians believe that where Jesus was born, the manger that Jesus was born in was actually probably part of the innkeeper's dwelling. That this was probably a place where he kept his cattle. It's probably the place where he kept his sheep this was probably belong to the innkeeper but isn't it incredible that god would allow man to participate in god's story see you're so caught up in your story Amen. don't we get caught up in our story but god wants us to get caught up in his story in fact the only way that you're ever going to find fulfillment of life in life is not trying to work out your story it's trying to figure out how you fit in to god's story So he provides this opportunity. He provides room in his story for us. Will we provide room in our story for him. You know, this story is really all about making room. Isn't it? I mean, look at Mary. She had to make some room. Didn't she? Young Jewish woman, moral people. The Jewish people were very, very moral people. Ends up pregnant. Now... How many of you, you women that know this, you could say an amen to this? Pregnancy is not comfortable. Pregnancy is not ideal. It's inconvenient, right? You can't eat certain things, right? You can't do certain things. You can't live certain things. And so there's all these inconveniences that are afforded to being pregnant. And then the scrutiny that Mary went under. Could you imagine What her friends were saying and the whispers that were going on behind her back when she visited the marketplace. A young Jewish woman pregnant? And whenever they come to her, what is she to say? God got me pregnant? But Mary made room. Mary made room in her life for Jesus. It's really the theme of the story is people making room. Think about Joseph. Joseph had to make room. I mean, he even planned, we talked about this last week. Joseph planned on ditching Mary. Right. He's like, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, right. The Holy Spirit. Yeah, I mean, who would believe that story? I wouldn't. Right. right. So you're pregnant by who? Yeah. Right. No, it ain't my baby because you know we haven't been yet. You know, things have to happen. She's like, well, God did it. Huh? Sure. <laughs> yeah. So the humility that he had to go through, the scrutiny that he had to go through. Your girlfriend's pregnant. Your 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 fiance's pregnant. What are you doing? You should leave her. I'm sure that was the counsel of, menace, of many. The embarrassment, the scrutiny from friends. And then we have the kingly wise men who show up in the story. Don't we love the wise men, the three kings, right? How many know the scripture never says there was three, but there might have been three, there might have been 30. But these were men from Persia who actually saw the signs that Jesus was going to be born two years before that and embarked on a two year journey. Gave up two years of their life to make room for Jesus. Gave up two years of their life, the comfort of their palace. These guys lived as kings. That's why we sing this song. They were from Persia. Two years to travel. Giving up the comfort of their palace to live in tents. On the move. Why? To make room. For Jesus. Then we have the shepherds. The shepherds living in a field nearby, right? We're going to talk about this on our Christmas Eve service a little bit, and how they saw the angels and they heard well, everything that happened. What did they have to do? They had to leave their posts. They had to leave their sheep. They they were risking their job. Right. They could lose their job by leaving their sheep, but they left all behind to go find a man named Jesus. They made room with their careers on the line. It wasn't a great career, but hey, it was a career. See, God always allows room in his story for people. There's no question that God allows room. The question is, will we allow room for God's story in our life? Are you with me? How many of you want to be part of God's story I'm not, I am interested in God being part of my story But I'm really more interested in being part of His Amen. Because that's the way that we make history Is about being in His story yeah. Yeah. So if you want to make history Then get in His story Get out of your own So how are you making room for Jesus? What are you doing to be part of this story? Currently, right now in your life What are you doing to make room for Jesus? What have you done this year? As we approach the new year, how will you make room in 2015 for Jesus? What will you do to play a role in God's story? Listen, if, if God, if he's going to be with us, then we have to make room for him. In fact, God makes his dwelling wherever room is made. I'll say that again. God makes his dwelling wherever room is made. We see this throughout scripture, don't we? We see it. God said, hey, here I am. He got me in a tent. So he gives David the vision of the tabernacle. He's like, and David's the one that had the heart for it. He's like, here I am living in a palace and God's out living in a tent, which the tent was a place that made room for God. And then David said, I'll build, I'll build the, the temple. I'll make a dwelling place for God. And he had the vision and he accomplished it. And then we see Jesus come. Jesus was the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit on the earth. God with us. Emmanuel. God here finding a dwelling. And then when Jesus goes ascends into heaven, what does he do? He provides people with the equipment to be the dwelling place. Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit comes. The people are filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul says it this way. You are the temple of the Spirit. God always longs for a dwelling place. For someone that would make room in their lives for him. We had our son born last week, Uriah, and uh, was just filling our home with with joy and frustration and diapers. Come on. But when you have a baby, and most of you know this, some of you don't, when you have a baby, everything changes when someone is born into your house. You've got to make room for this person. So when Leslie found out she was pregnant, the, the first thing that we said is we... We already had the name. We said, we got to make room for him. Where? What room is he going to sleep in? So we moved. Uh, Mariah already had her own room. And and uh, so we had a, a spare room. So what we did is we got rid of the spare room. And so Judah moved into the spare room. And then we made the other room. was Elisa's room. We said, well, Elisa's going to have to sleep in Uriah's room. And Uriah's going to have to sleep in Elisa's room. They're going to have to share a room. We have to make room for him. And so we rearranged our house. He wasn't born, and I said, "Well, what are we gonna do with him? We don't really want to change anything. Let's just stick him in a closet. We can sleep in the closet. Big enough for him to sleep in. And then, hey, I thought we put him in, 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 the, in the pantry? Let's put him in. Man, there's, there's plenty. Of room. I know there's a spot in a cabinet in our house that probably be big enough for an eight pound baby. And we laugh, and we think that's funny, but we do that with Jesus all the time. Where will he fit in? Maybe in a little nook and cranny in the house Maybe in the Maybe we can get rid of some coats And put them in the coat closet Making room for Jesus is often inconvenient But I'm telling you It's not like he's a sibling mm-hmm, right. When Jesus moves in He's the head of the house We talked about this last week It's a king Moving into your house Everything changes All of a sudden your house goes from being a home To being a palace Amen. Because he's there But will you allow the king to dwell And gang he is not a baby in a manger Anymore I love Missy Edwards says that He's not a baby in a manger anymore He's not a naked man on a cross Right He didn't stay in the grave And he's not staying in heaven forever He's coming There's the king, and you make room for him. I'm convinced that most people don't live their lives surrendered to Jesus because they don't realize how incredibly rewarding it is. They don't get to live like uh, like royalty. They don't get to live like royalty because the king isn't really living there. Maybe he's a baby in a closet. This is how they treat Jesus. And so they don't learn what it's like to live like royalty because they're not living lives that are surrendered to him got Jesus in my little heart a little pondering little moment of my day little part of my week baby Jesus <laughs> right. is it true that's how we live many times right. but you cannot experience what you don't make room for and some of you have not experienced the goodness of God you've not experienced the fullness of God just simply because you have not allowed a king to live in your house so you've only allowed a little baby to live there a little baby man inside your heart. <laughs> Come into my heart, Jesus. That's about as deep as it ever went. He's not a baby. He's not a baby. He's a king. He's a ruling king. It's
1: good. It's
0: good. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Listen, if you partition your life with Jesus and keep him in the corners of your life, you will never experience the benefits of him ruling. I love being a part of God's story. Amen. I just love it so much. I love being able to see all the things that God has has in store. And although sometimes I do get involved and I try to worry about something or I try to stress about something or I try to force something, I continually have to remind myself that God is in charge. Amen, bro. That Jesus is king. He's he's on the throne. And we say that sometimes, you know, something bad happens in our life. God's on the throne. That's right, he is on the throne, but the throne is not far away. The throne is right here. This is his dwelling place. This is where and listen, it's not just his dwelling place, it's his ruling place. So you won't expect, you can't expect the benefits of this ruling, reigning king unless you make room for him as the king that he is. Listen, Jesus is the head, not a priority. So if I, you know, what's going to be your list in 2015? Your list. God first. Family second. (laughs) Job third. Church fourth. (laughs) Yeah, maybe ninth. Myself second. Right, right. Jesus don't want to be a part of your list He is the list He is the head of the list Everything we do is a way to serve Him Whether it's raising our families Whether it's working out at the gym Whether it's working my job Whether you're a pastor Whether you flip burgers at McDonald's God bless you Whatever you do in your life You're serving the King You're not doing it for you You're not doing it for your family You're doing it for God You're raising your family for God they're his family. He's the ruler. He's not a priority. He's the priority. Amen, brother. Everything else just reveals that. He's the head, not a priority. He's the beginning and the end of everything we do. So making room in our life is surrendering to Jesus. Y'all okay? All right. Three ways. Because I'm a preacher. <laughs> Leslie tells me anytime I ever preach I don't do points so I thought to Leslie She's like, it was just kind of weird You didn't normally have points And I'm like, oh, okay, good So I'll make sure because of that I always have points So three ways to make room for Jesus this is Christmas, all right? Are you guys ready? Now, these are things that I want you to apply in your life. Don't just leave and say, great sermon. That was good. And then forget about it tomorrow. Write these three things down. It's going to be real easy for you to remember. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. We're going to talk about being prayerful, watchful, and thankful. And pray for us, too. Now, Paul's in prison here, but he's still leading. He's still... He didn't allow his circumstances to say, oh, well, I can't really do the kingdom thing right now. I'm in jail. I'll do that later. Yeah. He said, and pray for us too. What was he doing in jail? Well, he was he, he was offending people with the gospel because the gospel is offensive. Now, you don't need to be offensive. The problem is Christians have been offensive and they haven't allowed the, the gospel to do the offending so we've allowed our personality and our flesh to be the offending yeah. the gospel's offensive enough as it is right. you need to be as little offensive as you can be because the gospel is offensive right. it, it's offensive to tell somebody you're going to go to hell when you die without Jesus that's offensive yeah. I'm a good person, no you're not God says there's no good, that's offensive yeah. it offended me 20 over 20 years ago Something. I work hard for the money. I go to church. I go to my mom. I walk my dog. I walk my dog. I smile at the lady. I smile at the lady. Okay, back to the message. And pray for us too that God may open a door for our message. See, going to the mystery of Christ, which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. Now, who is he talking about? Outsiders. Is it us and them? It is. I hate to break it to you, but it is. There are people that are in, and there's people that are out. If you're out, you're not in. If you're in, you're not out. Right. It's like you're part of the family of God, or you're not. You're either in the world or you're in the kingdom. It doesn't mean that you're not still in the physical world because you are, but you don't get to do both. Yes. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. That that isn't a critical statement. When we say that outsider, we're not like, oh, you just suck. (laughs) (laughs) you're more like, no, 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 no. We were just like them, and then we said, I need somebody better in my life. And so we said, here we go. Come on, Lord. Yeah. It's not a, 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 a downward nose right. towards them. We're right, right, right. sticking our nose up towards them. We're just saying we're different. Right. Right. I'm in, you're out. That's right. I'm out of what you're in. Amen. I'm an outsider of you. You're an outsider of me. Right. We're just in different camps. Okay, now, Make the most of every opportunity. you know that most moments are opportunities. Yeah. Amen, Every day has opportunities. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Amen, bro. Oh, we don't have answers from people. We just need to love them. Uh-huh. This says we should have answers. Right. How skilled are you in the answers? Mm-hmm. When Jesus is the way. You need to skill yourself. Okay, so three ways to make room for Jesus this Christmas. Number one, in your contemplation. Everybody say My contemplation. Right. contemplation. Look at your neighbor and say contemplate. 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 a good word. Contemplation. He starts off saying this. Devote yourself to prayer. Devote yourself to prayer. So what I'm going to encourage you to do this week is devote some time to prayer. I'm not talking about at the dinner table. I'm not talking about the, the, the three minutes that you pray with your kids before they go to bed, which I, I trust that you're doing that. If you have children, you're praying with them or not before they go to bed. I trust that you're doing that. But we're not talking about we're talking about devoting yourself to prayer. Not ritualisticing yourself to prayer. Yeah. If that's a word, yeah. ritualistic right. I don't know what the <laughs> word is. Not just doing your discipline of praying, but really devote your heart, your life to prayer. Would you devote some time this week to get alone before God and contemplate yeah. Jesus? Yeah. Yeah. And be watchful and thankful. Yeah. Thank you, I love Psalm 46.10. It says, be still and know that I am God. Part of the reason why that we don't see how powerful God is is because we don't take a moment to contemplate and meditate upon the goodness of God. We just live our lives and we try to fit God in in a corner somewhere and so we're not contemplating and then we don't really think about it. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not hating on you, but most of us will go by day by day and spend about five minutes thinking about God that day. You know, the Greek for be still says is cease striving. Cease striving. So just stop. Stop doing what you're doing. Pull out your headphones, turn the music off when you get in your car,
1: get alone in a
0: closet in your house, get alone in the bathroom, get alone on the porch, wherever it is you have to be, and spend some time contemplating the goodness of God. Devote yourself to prayer. Read the Christmas story in Scripture this week. Just go through. Read Luke 1, 2. Read it. Study the Scriptures for a little bit this week and contemplate what God has done for you. And be thankful about God's goodness. What I'm finding... Is that people that are thankful Have a lot to be thankful for But I think a lot of times The thankfulness comes before the thing yeah, that's good. Yep. How grateful are you For what you have we, we tell our kids all the time You're not allowed to say it. it's not fair right. That's a victim mentality It's not fair you, you're, not, you're not allowed to say that We don't say that in the brown house uh-huh. We don't talk about fair There's no fair Everything that you have is because of the grace of God. We're grateful for what we have. And what I've noticed is when I'm grateful for what I have, God gives me more to be grateful for. How are you stewarding what you have with your gratefulness, with your attitude of gratitude? Think about God's goodness. Count your blessings and repeat. Think about God's goodness. Count your blessings. Repeat. That's how you contemplate. Regurgitate. Meditate. Upon God and his goodness. So make room to be. Make room to cont- contemplate. So contemplation. Number two. Conversation. I love how he ends this. He says. Let your conversation always be full. Let's look at it. Colossians 4 5. Live wisely among those who are not Christians. And make the most of every opportunity. This is the NLT here. Let your conversation be gracious and effective. Uh, the NIV says, I believe it's the NIV says, seasoned with salt. That our conversation would ring of God's goodness. So in your conversation, when you're, blessing, when, when you're shopping, be a blessing in your conversation. I try to have a conversation with a gentleman this morning. I was like, hey, how you doing? I was like, like, okay, just a little bit of conversation, just trying to throw a little salt there, just trying to throw some grace in into, into conversation. He wasn't having much conversation, but I was doing some conversation. Come on. So be a blessing. Be a blessing to that person at Walmart. I know it's hard. I know we hate going to Walmart, but sometimes you just have to. It's just the world we live in, guys. Sometimes you can only find what you need at Walmart. <laughs> it's hard to go in there. It's hard to deal with the cashier. And I know, waiting in that line, thank God you have Facebook to occupy you on your phone while you're in line at Walmart. But when you get up there, remember, put some salt on that conversation, put some grace on that conversation. What are you doing to reveal Jesus, making room for Jesus in your conversation with your spouse, with your kids, with your friends, with the outsiders, or even call them the insiders if you want. I don't care what you call them, but they're different than you. What kind of conversation are you having with your lost friends? It doesn't mean you're going to be like, oh, bless God, I'm <clears> what <throat> the preacher does. Listen, this is the deal. It is Christmas time. And we are Christians, right? Amen. And can we can talk about the roots all day long. It don't matter what the root is. What matters is the meaning now. What does Christmas mean? Most people know in America that Christmas is pretty much celebrated as the birth of Christ. I know. We probably got the day wrong. None of that matters. <laughs> But we chime around, put the little bumper sticker, put the little thing on Facebook, blah, blah, blah. Jesus is the reason for the season. Jesus is the reason for every season. Jesus is just the reason. Listen, Christmas is a spiritual time of year. So be spiritual. Dang it, be super spiritual. They expect you to be spiritual. So be spiritual. I'm not telling you to be judgmental, I'm not telling you to be critical, but be spiritual. Bless somebody. Jesus is in you. What are you giving? What of Jesus are you giving them? Amen. Love on them with the love of God. Share the gospel. Single, not a baby in a major anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Come on. Have fun fun with it. Love on them. Season it with salt. Give it grace. Make it about Jesus. Make make Christmas about Jesus. When you talk about Christmas with your kids. Yes. Talk about Jesus. Yeah. I know Santa Claus. We we decided not to do Santa Claus with our kids. Most of the time, we don't regret that. <laughs> I know it's fun. We decided not to do that because we really want. We, we realize the world is so inundated with this creepy man who breaks into people's houses and eats <laughs> their companies and leaves things and knows them about them and has a list. That's freaky. Yeah, yeah. So really, it wasn't that. It wasn't that we were. Afraid that they might not like Jesus, we were afraid that they would be scared of this man that was going to break in the house. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Hey, you're not a problem if you don't you do Santa Claus. That's great. I did Santa Claus as a kid. It was fun. And then my, God,
1: my mom was lying to me. <laughs> <laughs> just, wow. just
0: kidding. It wasn't, it wasn't there, like that. There's no, there's, no, there's no repercussions. Man, like, he knows what you're doing. He's, He's a creepy man. Laws. He's a creeper, isn't he? Dude, you, think, you think that your pastor is looking at your Facebook, Santa Claus is looking at your Facebook. He looks like your poster, naughty and nice. Okay. All right. Anyway. Now listen, Jesus is the reason for the season. He's the reason for every season. So why not make an opportunity in your conversation to make it about Jesus? It didn't have to be elaborate. Just let somebody know. Faith is an inside thing that has an outward demonstration. If there's no verbiage, if there's no language to your faith, if you're not talking about it, it's probably not authentic. You got Jesus in a closet somewhere, a little experience in your life. It's time to make room in your conversation for people. We we all got lost people in our lives. We're afraid to talk about Jesus because we're we don't want to offend them and run them off. I'm not telling you to be overbearing. Just uh, love, going it back. <laughs> I'm scared to go there. Okay, let's go back to this. Make room in your conversation. Just make room. Didn't have to be. Didn't have to be a ton of room, but make some room. When you're talking to your kids about Christmas, it's okay to do Santa Claus. But Santa Claus is going to bow his knee too. Right. So make sure that Jesus is really the reason. Don't just call yourself a Christian oh, Jesus, I don't need more I'm We're in a major. a freaking Come on. Talk about Jesus. Listen, those people that know you're a Christian, they expect you to say something spiritual about Jesus. They expect you to. So why not go ahead and do it? Fulfill yeah. we'll their expectations. But <laughs> we'll blow their expectations away with the love of God. Amen. And number three. Your celebration. Number one, your contemplation. Number two, your conversation. And number three, the last point is, thank God, your celebration. Make room as you celebrate with friends and family. I going to just encourage you to do this. When I was 16 years old, I moved into my dad. Christmas to me at that point was just all about circling whatever it was in a JCPenney catalog or, or an ad that came in because we didn't have internet back then. And uh, it was all about like having these things that I wanted. That's all Christmas was about. And so Christmas morning was awesome. My mom would be playing, Have a Blue Christmas by Elvis. every freaking Christmas awesome. <laughs> a <extra> great song. <laughs> oh, so we had a dancing. I learned that song because every Christmas I heard that song. And so we had awesome. Awesome Christmas experience. Awesome as a kid. Always had good things. Always went and spent some time with my dad on Christmas Day, or the day before, or the day after. Always had Ataris, you know what I'm saying, and bikes Ooh, and had all the cool stuff. It was great. Atari. Great memories of Christmas. <laughs> Love it. But listen, in yourself, when I moved into my dad when I was 16, he said, we're going to do something different. And we all gathered around the Christmas tree, and there were our guests. Maybe we were playing with the ones that were already set up. And my dad said, we're going to read the Christmas story. We're, you know, doing what kids do at Christmas. Being hopeful. I just want to open the presents. Can't think about anything, but open the presents. My dad said, let's just take a minute to think about Jesus. And my dad would read the Christmas story, and he would pray. And I remember feeling the presence of God coming and filling that living room. Something I'd never experienced until I was 16. I moved to my dad when my dad got serious. And he's like, things are going to change. And he started doing this. I remember going in there and sitting down. And my dad doing that. And I remember experiencing, even though I wasn't saved, I remember being 16 years old and experiencing the presence of God. Or my dad would read that story and pray, and, and thanking God for all of our blessings. So in your celebration, make room for him. Whether it's reading the story, whether it's just talking about, maybe praying before you open up your gifts, be a man, Dad, Be a man. Be the leader of your family. So let's come to Jesus. Let's thank him for. All this year, this year has had troubles, it's had it's had difficulties, it's had all these things, but we're just gonna take a minute and think about God's goodness. That He didn't leave us, that He didn't forsake us, He took good care of us, even, we got presents and we can open on Christmas as kids in the world and they'd be glad if they just had some toothpaste or a pair of shoes. But we got all these things that God has blessed us with. When you give gifts, you bless somebody make room in your celebration when you're getting around and you're having dinner with your family. And they might not be they might be lost. I was talking about this on Thanksgiving. Even lost people pray on Thanksgiving. You know what I'm saying? They're like, oh, thank you, Lord, God, whatever your name is. Right you're saying? It's like, be spiritual. How many you know that you are spiritual first? It's not a priority. It's just when you were born again, you were born in the spirit, and that is the dominating role in your life, your spirit. That's the thing that's going to live forever. This other thing is just a shell. It's temporary. It's going to die. It's going to corrode. It's going to turn into a zombie and kill people. Or something. I don't know what's going to happen. But going to, something's going to, sorry, I've been watching too much Walking Dead. I mean, um, but you're going to die. But you'll live forever. Your spirit will live forever. Sorry.